Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, how are we all on this uh, Tuesday? Peter Vlahos with you uh, here until six o'clock. Thanks to Hayes and Mato. They're back with the run home again between three and five tomorrow. Well, a big show coming up. We're going to focus over the next couple of nights leading into the weekend into the Festival of Football. Now, Manchester United are conducting an open training session on Thursday at the WACA ground. I remember when they were here three years ago at the WACA. There were tens of thousands of people that flocked down to the WACA. Maybe the weather that's forecast for Thursday may deter a few of the Red Devils fans from heading down there. There is a bit of rain forecast for Thursday. But saying that, if uh, they are expats that have come from the UK and have followed Manchester United, they're used to watching their team in the elements, whether it be freezing cold, driving rain, even snow. Unlike, in some ways, AFL supporters, that can be a bit fair weather. If it rains, they tend to stay away. But we're going to be focusing. We'll speak to somebody from Manchester United tomorrow night. And tonight, we'll be speaking to a gentleman who scored the most important goal in the history of the Aston Villa Football Club. It was the 1982 European Cup final. And now that European Cup is known as the Champions League. Venture down the left. There's a good ball played in for Tony Morley. European glory for Aston Villa back uh, 40 years ago. And we'll speak to the man that scored the goal, Peter With, on this program uh, in the next half an hour here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Manchester United leads Crystal Palace. In fact, Manchester United are playing Crystal Palace tonight at the MCG. Gets underway at 10 minutes past six our time. Uh, and, of course, after that, they start heading west to play at Optus Stadium. And what a busy weekend it will be here at Optus Stadium. Leeds United against Crystal Palace on the Friday. Manchester United against Aston Villa on the Saturday. And then on Sunday, back to AFL with West Coast taking on St Kilda. Interesting regarding St Kilda, uh, the St Kilda players have put themselves through one of their most confronting reviews of the season yesterday. It's been leaked today that a player-led conversation was really honest and truthful and laid bare all the thoughts in a bid to end a horror form slump. Finals bound at 8-3. Uh, 
uh, before the bye. It's now nine and eight with five losses in their past six matches by an average of 35 points. The Saints have fallen outside the top eight, if only by percentage. But the club's leadership group, including star defender Callum Wilkie, drove the hard chats in the review of the match that resolved to address their lack of consistency by taking total responsibility for their on-field actions. Of course, they come to Perth and they take on the Eagles here on Sunday and we'll have to see what their reaction will be. Well, yesterday there was a big announcement regarding the Perth glory, a man that is certainly very well revered as one of the leading administrators in football here in this country. He's been the CEO of Sydney FC when they brought out Alessandro Del Piero all those years ago. He was instrumental in securing that uh, huge deal that gave the A-League an enormous boost, has been the CEO of the Wellington Phoenix and the last four years has been the man in charge of the Perth glory. The highs and last season, what was a very difficult time for the club. But as I mentioned, a very well-respected administrator and CEO. And Tony Pinata now joins us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos here on SENWA. Tony, thanks for your time. Pleasure, Peter. Sad to see you go. Uh, yeah, look, it was a very emotional day yesterday. Um, I actually sort of uh, just held it together when I told the uh, the players and the staff. Um, I wear my heart on my sleeves. And, um, yeah, look, I've I've had a, an amazing four and a bit years here at uh, Perth Glory, and I've loved, I loved the city, and I've met so many nice people i've made made so many friends and um yeah i've really enjoyed my time but uh for me it's probably time to sort of uh recharge and go back home and spend some time with uh with my family of course your family's based in melbourne and you were the ceo of the glory all through that covid scenario where you're in lockdown you couldn't get back to perth you couldn't get to melbourne that was trying times for you and also other members of the football club wasn't it yeah, look, it's a difficult time for for everyone here at the club. Um, you know, we've had a you know disrupted uh, probably uh, two and a half seasons uh, with COVID last year. Last season was probably the worst I've ever experienced in in 15 years. I've been involved in the A League um, with border closures, a team playing over in uh, New South Wales and Tassie, and our W League team basically being based in New South Wales, Sydney for the uh, for their whole season. And uh, you know, we went through that turmoil at Christmas time with our players in lockdown in a hotel in Brisbane and trying to get them home for Christmas so uh, it was very tough times but um, look we all stuck together we all did what we had to do Um, it wasn't a great season on the pitch um, for various circumstances but uh, yeah it was uh, one that I want to put behind and uh, (laughs) never revisit. Yeah, but there were some highs and one cannot forget of course the A-League Grand Final here at Optus Stadium where Sydney FC beat the glory on penalties, the Premier's plate. And they were buoyant times for the club, and you were responsible for luring uh, the very high-credentialed Tony Popovich to come over here and be coach-manager of the side. And at that stage, of course, uh, the head of football operations was one Jacob Burns, who, by the way, I just bumped into accidentally down City Beachway just the other day, and he's looking certainly very fit and uh, very healthy and very happy. But tell us about that moment when you lured someone like Tony Popovich here across the country to take on the Perth glory. Yeah, look, actually, Tony was um, 
in discussions already with uh, Jacob and uh, Peter Philopoulos, the uh, CEO at the time. Um, I remember speaking with uh, our owner, Tony. Um, he had a couple of other names he was floating around. And I said, look, if you can get um, Tony uh, Popovich, uh, you know, it's going to be amazing for the club. And um, we actually started on the same day. Um, and look, it was, you know, he was brilliant to work with. Uh, um, you know, we really got together a fantastic squad. You know, we'd lured players like, um, you know, Chris Economides, Branovic, um, Jason Davidson. And then, you you know, top it off, you had uh, Diego Castro, Andy Keogh, um, Liam Reddy already here, um, Shane Lowry, Granty. Uh, it was a formidable team uh, back in 1819. Uh, and, you know, we won our first... Silverware. And I remember sitting in the restaurant in Melbourne having lunch with Tony Sage, um, talking about you know coming here. And uh, I remember saying to uh, to my wife Anna, I said, "Look, I'm just going to catch up with uh, Sage for lunch." She goes, "Don't you do anything stupid, all right?" I said, "No, no, I'll talk to you first. Uh, you'll you'll be the first person to know." So, driving out of the car park, uh, out of uh, the restaurant, I, I rang and said, "Look, I'm going to Perth tomorrow." <laughs> so uh, um, that's how quick it was, and I, I really you know, believed in, in what um, what Sage was trying to do, and uh, with the club, and uh, you know he uh, assured me Popper Popper had signed, um, and we had a, you know, and I, I promised him that you know we'll win silverware this year because I know he hadn't won anything, and we ended up winning the previous plate, albeit we couldn't do the double, but that week leading into the grand final has to be the highlight, you know, especially that game against Adelaide uh, when it went to penalties and then that whole week of selling the grand final out. Uh, just just an amazing time in Perth, to be mm. honest. It was. Uh, and you mentioned your wife, uh, and she's been so supportive. She has come over a few times and I've had the pleasure of meeting her at the chairman's functions. It wouldn't have been possible for Tony Pignata if there wasn't uh, that understanding from your partner. No, she's been putting up with me since uh, 2007. You know, Sydney, you know, for various reasons because of, you know, kids and schooling and all that sort of stuff. So, no, my my wife has been uh, the rock for me. Um, She's really supported me in everything I I do and and continue to do. And and, and both my boys, Jack and Max, who, you know, moved, you know, a little bit older now and um, they're all working. They've been very supportive of of, of what I do. And, uh, you know, you need that 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 balance, that support. Otherwise, it's uh, very very hard to 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 do anything. So, um, you know, I really appreciate what they've done for me. Tony is an A League club, an A League club. Are all they all different? You've now sampled the wares of three as the CEO. Is there something different about each club, or basically the fundamentals are, are very much the same? Um, look, the fundamentals are the same. You um, you know, recruit players. You've got player issues like every other club. Um, you know, the, the structures are all the same. You know, you're following the same salary cap. Um, probably the one thing I've noticed at, at Sydney FC was just the media profile of a club like that. I mean, Sydney is, is a massive club. Um, you know, you've got a lot of fans, a lot of, uh, I suppose, uh, interest in, in the club. Um, you're under the scrutiny. Um, but, you know, Wellington was, 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 was amazing as well, where we... Basically went there. I had six weeks to get the team up and running, and the whole club up and running uh, as a new club. But, uh, um, but you know, even even here in Perth, I, it, it, I mean, we saw it as I said that grand final where you can get fifty six thousand into a stadium, and uh, you know, I hear about the you know the, the good old days of glory days, and and you know, we managed to, to sell out quite a few games here at uh, uh, HBF Park. Uh, you know, that still the park one where we played Melbourne Victory, and unfortunately we lost that 
that that game two nil to them, and you know even to round one of the last season where you know we signed Sturridge and we sold that out. So um, they're all different, but fundamentally they're all the same, and and all fans are so passionate about their uh, their club, which makes the league, to be honest. Yeah, there was a lot of highs certainly in your time at the Perth Glory. You mentioned uh, that player Daniel Sturridge. Was that one of the the real lows for you? The fact that. He didn't contribute, uh, unfortunately, due to injury or whatever during the course of this past season and basically just meekly walked away at the end. Yeah, look, um, Daniel, you know, fantastic person. We, we spoke, um, unfortunately, yeah, for injury, etc. What really disappointed me with Daniel was his uh, exit from the club. Um, he didn't take time to thank his fans. For whatever reason, you should have that time. And uh, I know that a lot of fans... You know, came and watched him play when they could, um, and that's that's disappointing for me that he just left. Um, you didn't want to, you know, come to our MGP. Um, you know, you can, you can do so much, but in the end, I just said, look, you know, that's 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 the way you want to be. That's that's fine. But uh, that was my biggest disappointment with with Daniel was uh, the way he exited the club um, <clears throat> and not not thanking the fans, not even coming in and saying goodbye um, to to the staff, and and you know that 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 was disappointing, and uh, you know. Maybe one day I'll meet him and I'll tell him face-to-face um, because uh, I believe that you respect everyone um, in life um, and you, you get what you get. Mm. So, Tony, you'll be staying f- on for a little while longer. Uh, the club, of course, is very, very active in recruiting and, and player contracts. So you will stay around for a, a little while longer until everything gets settled and maybe signed off. Is that what your charter is now? Yeah, look, I sat down with um, with with Sage. I said, look, you know, I'm here. Whatever you need, you know, if you get a, a CEO sooner or later, no problem. So, you know, if a new CEO comes in, for example, next week or whatever, then, you know, I'm happy to do a transition, a handover, this sort of uh, you know, operational stuff that I've got to sort of uh, sort out. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm here till end of September anyhow, um, and uh, you know, keep working. Um, you know, we just signed overnight, well, yesterday, um, you know, Aaron from uh, Hearts. So there's still a bit bit to be done, and um, I'm here um, helping out as much as I can. Yes, Aaron McKenniff uh, from Hearts uh, on his way to be part of the Perth Glory. So the Glory have been certainly very active in the pre-season. Your thoughts on the A-League overall, Tony? Uh, I think you're a person to certainly give an opinion, and it, it will be very well respected because you've been involved with it for so many years. Your thoughts on where it sits at the moment? Yeah, look, I'm normally half, you know, the glass is half full. But um, look, last year was probably the worst in, in the 15 years that I've been involved in the A-League. I think it was the worst in the ever A-League history. Um, but that was, you know, for circumstances with COVID, with teams falling over and fixtures. And, and I really sympathise with the fans and the members who, you know, fork out, you know, sort of a lot of money to, you know, to, to, to cop midweek games and, and all that sort of stuff. So this year is, is all about how do we change that? How do we now go forward? You know, the fixture's about to be released hopefully later this week. There'll be no midweek games. We're having FIFA World Cup uh, window breaks. There's going to be a three-week break for the uh, uh, the World Cup uh, later this year in November, December. Um, and, you know, we're hoping that the game, it's going to be marketed a lot more. Um, there's going to be better structure. Um, and we really need now to get the fans back uh, to uh, to the stadiums and and watching it on uh, on Paramount um, and I know Paramount hasn't been the greatest I suppose um, 
you know, entrance in terms of a uh, a medium to watch games. But um, you know, we, we're we're lucky that we do have someone like Paramount slash Channel Ten that are investing in the game, and we need to keep promoting that. You know, part of our <clears throat> charter this year was to give every member that signs up a a Paramount subscription, um, so that they can sort of load it on their. Uh, TVs and, and watch the glory when we uh, when they can't make the games or we're playing away. So that's that's the push by every club, and mm. uh, we're hopeful that uh, this year we can uh, turn the corner and get fans uh, excited again. A couple of more questions before I let you go, Tony. We will see you before, of course, you depart uh, towards the end of September. But I know one of your projects, and it's been very well documented, and I've spoken to Peter Bocop, who, of course, is the Chief Operations Officer for Venues West. The fact that HBF Park won't be available till about January as it prepares for the Women's World Cup next year, and there's going to be some major developments there. I know one of your charters is to try and see whether Perth Glory do play uh, their early games here at home. Are you any closer to locking something down? Yeah, look, we, we are. We're very close. Um, you know, I'm not hiding the fact that Joondalup is probably the preferred option. Um, we're just waiting now on the fixtures. But, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, we do have now games we can play and then, you know, we, we cop something like HBF Park uh, out of action due to the World Cup renovations. But, uh I think, um, you know, I'm excited to, to play the games at Joondalup. I know some people are going to say, you know, it's a bit far and, um, you know, but, um, you know, it, it allows us to play games at home instead of playing all our games away. Um, the venues, you know, the facilities are, you know, not as great as HBF Park, but um, they're, they're you know, adequate to, to play A-League games. So um, we're hoping we can sign that off in the next um, couple of weeks and, uh, and announce it. Yeah, that's a soccer heartland for sure, uh, up there in the far northern suburbs. And what about the transition to Fremantle Oval? How have you found that? Yeah, look, it's fantastic. Um, I'm probably the you know the most proud of pushing to get um, this uh, facility here, where the old Dockers used to train. Um, you know, we've decked it out. We've got our own offices now. The gym's there. The great kitchen. Uh, players' lounge, um, and uh, and it's ours. You know, new change rooms for the men, new change rooms for the women. Um, you know, big medical rooms, um, and I think the uh, it's what what was needed for the club. It feels like a real professional. We're not sharing with the Western Force or Rugby WA anymore. It's, it's our our own venue, our own facility, and we can do with what we want with it. And uh, that's exciting. And I think all the players love it. Um, you know, Kim and you know coming here and feeling like you know, having their own their own home. Yeah, fantastic. Finally, would Tony Pinata like to stay in football slash soccer or is it time to maybe move on to another path? Uh, any ideas what you'd like to do going forward? Oh, look, I've, I love this game. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm open to, you know, exploring other options in sport, etc. Um, you know, I'd love to... I, I, I actually really loved living in Perth and, you know, we discussed with my wife about actually just moving here and setting up a, a home here as well. Um, so we'll, who knows what the future is. I'm just going to take some time, have a break um, and then uh, reassess and then we'll see what uh, what happens. But um, I'll always be 
uh, involved in the game in one shape or form, and um, I'll make you know now I can really say what I want to say on uh, on Twitter. So uh, for those who follow me, uh, it'd be fantastic. Oh, let's hope you do stay here. It'd be great to have Tony Pinata becoming a, a fully fledged West Australian. I'm pretty sure, man, with your experience and your knowledge, would be uh, certainly sought after when it comes to the sporting landscape here in WA. Good luck, uh, Tony. We'll keep in touch. As I said, you're around for a few more weeks yet. But thanks for sharing some time with us here on the program. Before we speak to Peter With from uh, Aston Villa, firstly, just some news regarding the AFL. The big story come out of the AFL today. The AFL has issued a warning with players will no longer be rewarded with free kicks when they duck or shrug their heads in tackles. The AFL has sought to clarify its position on head-high contact after heated debates surrounding young Collingwood Dynamo Jack Ginevan and whether he was being uh, umpired differently to other players. And it says in the statement, uh, a player with the ball who is deemed to have a prior opportunity and attempts to shrug, duck or lift an arm will be called for holding the ball. So just repeating again, if a player with the ball who is deemed to have a prior opportunity and attempts to shrug, duck or lift an arm will be called for holding the ball. So there you go. Some uh, big uh, news today regarding that contentious issue that's uh, certainly been circulating around the AFL and the uh, AFL umpires fraternity in the last couple of weeks. Today, the AFL releasing a statement, and that's where it stands. Of course, regarding the West Coast Eagles, they take on St Kilda, and as I mentioned at the top of the program, St Kilda's players have conducted a very much a warts and all review of where they're at at the moment. One stage, certainly finals bound at eight to th- eight and three, now nine and eight, and the wheels have certainly fallen off in the last month and a half. They've had a warts and all review. They've been scathing on themselves individually, and it'll be interesting to see how they react to what happened yesterday uh, in the rooms at St Kilda when they fly west to take on the West Coast Eagles on Sunday at the Optus Stadiums, and we'll see whether that's uh, actually... Uh, worked or not, that uh, all-player review of their performances. But one player for the Eagles that will be playing in his first game at Optus Stadium is Jai Cully, of course, picked up in the mid-season draft. Made his debut on the MCG last weekend in that loss to Hawthorne. Here he is telling us about that experience. Yeah, it was unreal. Um, obviously, first game at the G, so home of football. Um, yeah, I was pretty stoked to, to run out with all the boys. Yeah, it's pretty uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm loving this end of the spectrum, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, it's pretty humbling to um, go along the journey from where I came and um, where I'm at now. So, yeah, I'm loving it. And he also went on to make a comment about the jump up to AFL. Yeah, I think I adapted pretty quickly to it. Um, obviously, I love the physical side of the footy. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to crack in and yeah, give it a bloody crack. Oh, probably not a focus. I think it just comes with my game. Um, yeah, just being an inside player. That's, yeah, tackles and um, those sort of stats come come with the game, yeah. There's been a lot of talk about Luke Jackson and supposedly the fact that he's heading to Fremantle. And Fremantle at this stage are looking to clear the decks. Kim Hagdorn last night suggested uh, that Rory Lobb uh, has already in some ways agreed to a four-year deal with the Western Bulldogs for next year. And there's also some speculation regarding other players that are involved, particularly with corporate sports, 
uh, the likes of Blake Akers and others that may be on the trading table to try and free things up to get Luke Jackson in. Now, Craig Hutchison on Footy Classified suggests uh, that really the West Coast Eagles, even though they've been cast aside and have suggested that they are interested, need to go a bit harder to try and lure Jackson Maybe to the Eagles. Fremantle are acting like they're nearly in the clubhouse. They're they trying to get lob out. They're trying to not... Uh, Akers and uh, Logue are being given lower offers to allow for the money that Jackson will need. They can walk him in the pre-season draft for nothing. This is the biggest free hit they will ever get at a 298 What if the player just doesn't want to play for them? Well, they've got to go and convince him. They're the West Coast Eagles. Yeah, well, at the moment, uh, who knows where the West Coast Eagles are at. And as we mentioned uh, on one of our AFL programs here on Drive, even Nick Natanui has come out supposedly and said, I'm prepared to maybe uh, play second fiddle and even maybe have a chat to Luke Jackson and tell him exactly uh, how much and how important he would be to the West Coast Eagles footy club. And I'd be more than happy to take a back seat if it meant uh, Luke Jackson coming, and you can use me in all the negotiations if uh, you see fit. That was Nick Natanui, as we reported on. Allegedly, uh, that's where his stance would be when we spoke about it a few weeks ago. It's 28 past to five. We're going to take a break, and then we're back with one of the great sporting stories. Don't miss this. A guy called Peter Wyth scored 177 goals in his senior career playing in the UK. But there's one famous goal that has him etched in to football folklore. We're going to relive that and also relive some of his great moments in his football career and the fact that he's also been travelling with Steve Gerrard and the Aston Villa players as they prepare to take on Manchester United here at Optus Stadium on Saturday night. That's all coming up next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Of course, we've got the big festival of football happening this uh, weekend. And, of course, we'll be speaking to representatives from Manchester United, Leeds United, Crystal Palace, and tonight from Aston Villa, all thanks to Illuminate Garden Lighting, a world-class team player. Now, this gentleman, who resides now here in Perth, scored, I think, around about 90 goals in over 200 games for Aston Villa. But he'll go down into football folklore, and I reckon he's probably heard this goal a million times. But I'm going to play it for him again before I introduce him. Venture down the left. There's a good ball played in for Tony Morley. Yes, that was the European Cup final. It's now known as the Champions League. Of course, a 1-0 victory in that final against Bayern Munich, the powerhouse of uh, Germany. And there's a great photo of Peter Wyth with Gary Shaw and Tony Morley, of course, parading around the arena after they won the European Cup. And I must ask Peter Wyth as we welcome him to the program now. Peter, thanks for your time. No, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's nice to speak to you again, Peter. Yeah. Who, there's that photo, and you've probably seen it, yourself, Tony Morley and Gary Shaw. Who's the fella who's uh, actually wearing the European Cup 
on his head? Um, well, we all had a go at wearing the European <laughs> Cup on the head, but I think, was, I think on the picture you're talking about, it's probably Tony Morley. Yeah, I think it might be Tony Morley, but uh, it was 40 years ago. Does it seem like yesterday still? And how many times do you get reminded about that goal and that special moment for the club? Um, it's vivid in the ma- in my mind, and it's um, it's funny enough because I went over to Brisbane to watch the game over in Brisbane, um, and I remember like there's hundreds of villa, well thousands of villa supporters who were over in Brisbane, and I went and done a couple of functions, and that's the question that most people ask me: um, Do you still remember the goal? And I says, Why wouldn't I? It's one of the most uh, iconic sort of goals for Aston Villa in the history with regards to winning the European Cup. Mm. So um, it's just, it sticks in my mind. And it's, um, people ask me the question about hitting the post. I was telling them I was trying to play a one-two, but they never stopped it coming back to me. <laughs> so there's there's lots of stories that are coming out. Oh, it come off your shin? Did it come off your foot? Did it, you know, it, it, it's a creative thing that people just want to, add little scenarios to it. I heard, of course, Brian Moore called that goal, and he was an outstanding commentator. He was my first introduction, actually, to English football, and, of course, he called your goal there. And saying that, you know, you're capped 11 times by England. You're an absolute star player in your time. And, you know, when you look at your career, you played well over 500 times uh, in uh, UK football, in English football, with a number of clubs. But you've always held... Aston Villa, who you turned out for just under 200 times, is very special in your heart. Aston Villa has been your club, hasn't it? Well, it has. I was born in Liverpool and I was an Everton supporter as a youngster. But I joined Aston Villa and I spent 10 years at Aston Villa, five years as a player and then five years on the staff doing various roles as assistant manager to director of football to director of coach. Um, sorry, director of scouting. So there was many roles that I held there. So it, and we were brought up, my three boys were all born in different parts of the country. So Jason in Liverpool, Stephen in Nottingham, uh, you know, and Gareth in Newcastle. But they all sort of an, have an affinity to the Midlands because that's where they were brought up. Mm. So we sort of look upon Aston Villa. As, um, and all, all my boys have that affinity as well. You actually mentioned uh, when you were told that, of course, your future didn't remain at Aston Villa and you had to look at another club to continue your professional career. Uh, You felt lost for a period of time uh, because Villa was very much in your heart. What was that like, that experience when you had to move on after, I think, spending uh, five or even more years there in, in that stint? Yes, it was very disappointing. We, The chairman at the time was Doug Ellis, and he was of the opinion that my knees were shot, and he only wanted to offer me a one-year contract. So I said to him, there was other clubs who were offering me a three-year contract, and he said, I don't think your knees will last that long. Well, lo and behold, I played three years at Sheffield United. I came back to Aston Villa and played a couple of games in the reserves, and I said to Mr. Ellis, you know what? I'm still running around now. Mm. So he, he just made what I... It was hard to, to leave the club. Um, but I just felt that I had more to offer. And, um, 
you know, it was just one of them situations that's it arises in football. So, you know, you put it to the back of your mind with regards to um, having to leave the club. But fortunately enough, I went back to the club as a, as assistant manager and had five another five great years there as well. Having a look at Aston Villa, you mentioned the huge fan base that was up in Brisbane, and it's a sellout here on Saturday night. Let's hope the rain stays away. I don't want it to be too damp for Man United Aston Villa. But, of course, one of your major supporters is Prince William, who just loves Aston Villa. And there was even talk they were trying to get him out here to see the game at Optus Stadium on Saturday. Have you crossed paths with probably the most high-profile Aston Villa supporter? Um, it's funny because I was, I was doing work at Aston Villa um so we're sort of um we do sort of corporate work um there's sometimes you know four players sometimes six players that we all all the former players um and i was i'd come out i was coming up the stairs and i knew he was there but i didn't sort of think and he was in one of the boxes and as i come up the top of the stairs the security people were pushing him along and as he went past me he had a double take he sort of looked back but, of course, the security people were pushing him on, and I'm sure that he wanted to come round and say hello to me. <laughs> but, um, as I say, because of the security and that, they were moving him along. So I haven't had the opportunity to meet them, but I haven't given up hope. Yeah, i tell you what I've noticed, uh, and I've been to the UK a few times and had the pleasure of broadcasting some significant matches in the UK, and... Uh, I went with a former Manchester United legend to Old Trafford. Many years ago, we actually went over to broadcast the 96 FA Cup final between Manchester United and Liverpool, where Eric Cantona scored the winner. Anyway, I took along Francis Burns, who now lives here. Of course, Francis was was part of the late 60s, of course, when uh, Manchester United got to the European Cup and played with the likes of Nobby Styles and those sort of players, you know, uh, Bobby Charlton and all that. They never forget, and this is what I say to a lot of people, they never forget their legends of past eras. Do you notice that when you go back home or maybe the Aston Villa supporters that you saw in Brisbane, they all know or have heard of Peter With? Well, it was ironic, really, because I'd, I'd done some work there and then a couple of lads that I know from... Um, from the Melbourne Lions and people that I know from Adelaide Lions uh, said to us, oh, we're going to the Pig and Whistle down in, in Brisbane, opposite the city in the town hall. Mm. So I said, okay, I'll go down. I'll maybe meet you and maybe have a drink with you. Anyway, I went down. There was about like three police cars all parked outside and I could hear this noise. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, this sounds noisy. And I come round the corner and the city town hall was just covered and everyone was all the Villa supporters. I went in there to just have a quiet pint at about six o'clock. I was still drinking the same pint at ten o'clock <laughs> because I was just um and it was not it wasn't it never it's never a problem. They keep coming up to me and they say to me, Look, you know, you must be fed up with this. And I just say to him, No, I'm never fed up with this. You know, this is what I I sort of remember, I remember this as a youngster watching football and thinking to myself, if I ever become a footballer, I will never, ever disrespect the supporters. So I spent sort of for, well, probably from six till 10, just taking pictures with people. And um, my son rang me from the UK and he said, Facebook is absolutely inundated with 
pictures of you. So, yeah, it's it's great that people um, remember and hold us in a, in esteem, which we we are very proud of. As a former players, are very proud of. Um, you know, having that sort of affinity with the with the supporters. Aston Villa are a big club. They've fallen on some hard times in recent years, but now they're back in the Premiership and they've got Steven Gerrard as their manager. How do you see the 2022 version of Aston Villa under Gerrard? Well, I think that he came into the team last year and it was at, um, <clears throat> he was given the team, as it were, and this year he's made his signings in the summer. Um, maybe he'll keep on making a few signings. And I watched them against um, against Leeds the other day. It was a, it was quite an exciting game with regards to chances. There was a penalty and a penalty missed. That double save, great saves by their goalkeeper. He pulled off three magnificent saves. So there was chances at both ends, and then Villa got the penalty. And I, I looked at the shape. Although they made a lot of changes, and this is what they do in preseason games. I could see the formula that he was trying to play and, and the way that he wanted to play. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, perform um, on Wednesday when they play against the Brisbane Roar. And then it'll be interesting to see how they go with Manchester United. So looking forward to the games and the system that he seems to be playing um, seems to be working. So we're just we're hopeful that with the signings that he's made and the way that the team is, is progressing then we're going to have a good season this season. That's what we're all looking forward to. And, Peter, where will you be? And if any role that you may have on Saturday night at Optus Stadium? Well, I'm, I'm sort of acting as a, a bit of an ambassador for the tour because I'm living here. Um, Chris Price, who lives over in um, Brisbane, he was involved as well. So I'm doing a lot of work this week. Um we're doing sort of promotional work. We're doing some coaching. We're doing other things. Um, they've got a, a, a function at the Raffles Hotel where they're going to meet meet um, players and meet meet the managers. So it's going to be an interesting week. And then, of course, I'll be at the game, of course, mm. uh, on Saturday. Fine. Supporting. Finally, uh, I think a question a lot of a lot of people would like me to ask you: How did you end up in Perth, Western Australia? Well, uh, if you look through my career, I spent probably over 12 years working in Asia as the national coach of Thailand and the national coach of Indonesia. My wife has a brother and a sister who live down here in Perth. Um, so she she came down here for the, for the break uh, while I was at a tournament. And she said to me, I don't know about any other country, because I, I always thought that we were going to retire in Cape Town. But I came to Perth and I thought, what a fabulous country this is. So we decided that we'd, um, we'd try and get visas to come here, which we were successful in, get, in getting the visas. But, of course, with my coaching career, I was always backwards and forwards. and We never really stayed here for the long periods of time. And then because of COVID, um, you know, we've been here, of course, um, so that's how it ended up that I moved here. Mm. Uh, but normally I've got family all over the world, so um, I'm normally not here as much, if you see what I mean. I'm not normally here for two or three months and then I'm sort of different places. So, yeah, it's it's nice to be here and it's great weather, great part of the world. Um, I've said to all the, you know, the Aston Villa players and the staff, you you 
think that Perth is such a fabulous c- country. You should have actually stayed longer, played a bit <laughs> of golf, and got to know got to know the place a bit more. Yeah, good on you, Peter. It's been a pleasure having a chat to you. It really is. Uh, look forward to maybe even bumping to you on Saturday night. Uh, thanks very much for spending some time with us. I could chat to you for ages. I could even chat about your experience in Thailand when you're banned on the uh, touchline for wearing shorts, but that's another story. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the game on Saturday night. Okay. Thanks, Pete. Nice to speak to you. Peter with uh, Aston Villa Royalty here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. We'll take a break. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. And, of course, our preview leading up to the Festival of Football, uh, another identity tomorrow night on Drive, brought to you by Illuminate Garden Lighting. How does your garden glow? Uh, Thanks for their support as we look ahead to a big weekend of football here at Optus Stadium. I think everybody in Australia is still celebrating Cam Smith's win at the Open, the British Open there at the legendary St Andrews, the old St Andrews course. And, of course, there was that question that was posted at the press conference regarding the possibility of him... Uh, being secured by uh, Live Golf, where their CEO is Greg Norman, of course, the Saudi-backed golfing tour, the Rebel Tour, they're calling it. Uh, Ian Baker-Finch, who won the Open back in 1991, also made comment on where he sees Cam Smith currently. Let's reflect on that first. Cam, apologies for having to bring this up in these circumstances, but your name continues to be mentioned, it's been mentioned to to me this week, about uh, Live Golf. Um, What's your position? Are you interested? Is there any truth to suggestions that you might be signing? Um, I just won the British Open and you're asking about that. I think that's pretty, not that good. I appreciate that, but it's the, the question is still there. Are you interested at all? Is there any truth in that? Uh, I don't know, mate. The, my team around me worries about all that stuff. I'm here to win golf tournaments. I know that they're, they're talking to him and, and to many others. Um, I hope he doesn't because I think he can leave a great legacy by winning major championships and, and becoming the best player in the world. And uh, I don't think he needs the money. I don't, I don't think it's going to be something that he should do. Uh, it's his decision. As he said, his team will make the decision and he'll be a $100 million guy or more now if he did go. Does he want to win more majors or does he want the money? Uh, I'm hoping that he stays and uh, leaves a great legacy like a Tiger Woods or a Rory McIlroy or guys like that, which he could do. So... I, I understand the guys that don't play well enough anymore for doing it. I just don't understand the great players for doing it. I, I think Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy and a lot of those guys have, that still compete and play well in majors and want to win majors and leave a legacy, they're the guys I'd be following. And West Australian golfer Nick Ahern was asked a question where he reckons live golf could possibly come down under. Well, you know, with Greg Norman at the helm, I, I think a tournament here is definitely a possibility uh, for sure. I mean, hopefully it's uh, it's on the cards if, um, you know, if that's the way that they want to go go with it. Um, I think it would be, you know, incredible for Australian golf, uh, you know, to, to see a, a tournament down here of any of any sort, you know, with that, that sort of quality of player. So, uh, again, I, I don't know how the schedule is looking, what their long-term plans are. It's never been uh, in my radar in, in that regard because I'm, I'm out of the playing circles now, but, you know, it's fun watching it from the side and, uh, and we're getting a lot of uh, different interests and a lot of different viewpoints from the media and things like that. So there's plenty of rumours abound and, you know, until players commit and then they actually say that they're going or they're not, I mean, the big one at the moment is Henry Stenson over there at the moment. They, they seem to be linking him with it and he's the Ryder Cup captain. So... Yeah, certainly interesting developments regarding Live Golf. Hope you've enjoyed the program tonight. 
I'll be back again tomorrow from five. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Thanks to my production team headed by Jimmy. See you tomorrow at five here on SENWA.